Hello and welcome to News from the Hive. I'm your host, Gerardo Chagoya, the editor-in-chief at the Hornet newspaper, Fullerton College's independent student news outlet. And today I'm joined by the new president of Fullerton College, Dr. Cynthia Olivo. Welcome, Dr. Olivo. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, anytime. So, uh, Dr. Olivo, uh, can you explain what your job entails here at Fullerton College? So, my, my job here at Fullerton College is to ensure that we are doing everything possible to support our students so that our students achieve their goals and are successful. At the end of the day, that's what really drives me to keep going and, and do a great job. You spent 15 years at Pasadena City College. Yes. And you're currently on your 28th year in higher education, right? Yes. Was there a moment in your life that led you want to be more a college president? Yeah, I would say um, one of the reasons why I wanted to pursue a college presidency, and especially at a, a college like Fullerton, is that I always want to make an impact, especially where social justice is concerned. And so I, I did see that Fullerton College has a great tradition already built into the college of really caring for students and understanding that it's our job and responsibility in higher education to make sure that we are providing access and success, especially to communities who historically have been underserved and left out of opportunities. So I would say probably early on in my career, I did see a future for myself of serving in leadership roles that had the greatest impact on organizations. So what is something that you worked at at Pasadena City College that you want to bring over to Fullerton College? You know, there's <clears throat> probably the greatest thing would be to build on the culture at Fullerton College to do right by students in terms of helping people in this community to understand the importance of focusing on racial equity. So equity is extremely important, right? We have to make sure we have a food bank. We have to make sure we offer, you know, um, housing resources to students, help students through emergency situations. And in every part of our college, in the classroom, for example, we also have to make sure we're paying attention to which students are passing and which students aren't. What can we do in every part of our practices that makes sure that at the end of the day we have no racial equity gaps and change that through our practices. Have teachers adopted an equity-minded syllabus? Have teachers been able to have the time to redesign their curriculum to make sure it's culturally relevant to our students, especially our black and Latino, Latina and Latinx students? You know, um, what can we do in terms of serving our formerly incarcerated and system impacted students? How are we ensuring we're, we're reaching our men of color who we know were greatly impacted during the pandemic? So I hope to be able to build upon the great culture you have here of service to students and ensuring that we're working towards racial equity. So during the, this semester's convocation, you mentioned that you have uh, two children. How do you balance parent life and being president of a college? You know, I should have clarified, I'm not a parent myself. I help raise my three younger sisters, and one of us has children. Okay. <laughs> so we do basically call them like, they're our family children, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Sophia and Sebastian are, are all of our kids. And um, how I do manage, though, my family responsibilities 
Because I will tell you all, just like many of our students out there, I am head of household, and I have been and since my early years. What, what it did is it helped me to understand how to be responsible at a very young age. And when I say I'm head of household, I don't pronounce that to my family, my mom or my sister, right? Because I don't feel that it's a burden. I feel that it is a blessing for me to be able to give back to my single mom who did so much to raise myself and my three younger sisters to make sure we all went to college. So me paying the mortgage and all of the bills since an early age, uh, to me, I love giving back to my family. I balance through just making sure I spend family time and that I'm responsive when my family needs me and making them a part of this job, that my career. I brought them to the meeting where my contract got approved because I know my family needed to see like I'm switching from one place to another and especially the little ones. You know, they used to say, when I grew up, I want to work at Pasadena City College. So I had to help them see. Now they can work at Fullerton College. Yeah. So another thing is, you and I have a lot in common. I mean, you mentioned that your grandparents were farm workers. Yep. My grandparents were farm workers, too. Uh -huh. They were through the Braceros program between the oh. U.S. and uh, Mexico. Nice. So how, throughout their hard work and perseverance to succeed, how did that inspire you and in your everyday life? Oh my gosh. You know, my grandparents are everything. They're, they are a true inspiration to me. Not only did they physically work hard, yeah. they also were the matriarch and patriarch, right? These wise people who we all would turn to for emotional support, for, you know, just the feeling of being loved and cared for. Right. And uh, it was everyone in my family. Like, they had 10 children. And I have a hundred cousins and all of us, we all could go to these two amazing people and they would just pour into us and, you know, provide us with that, the consejos, like the, the uh, guidance that we needed to keep pushing forward. And I will say, you know, my mom, she's a tough mom, um, but she would remind me when I would complain and say, oh, I have to write like this 10 page paper and it's so tiring. And she's like, oh, really? Are you like your grandparents and, and your aunts and uncles? They were under a hot sun, bent over, heart, you know, like their back was hurting, picking, and I would be like, dang, yeah, no. <laughs> Makes it put, puts it in perspective. It does. Yeah. So she always reminded me, yeah, you might be working hard, but you're not working as hard as they did. And, you know, you have like, basically, you got to pay it back to your, your family. Your familia paved the way for you to do this. So... I just always think about them because they also overcame a lot, a lot of racism. You know, my grandma and my grandpa told us stories about what they experienced. And I don't, I, I, I don't know what helped them to get through except for the love of family, right? Uh, my grandma went to a segregated Mexican school in Laverne, California. And this is when here, right here where we are, right, um, the Mexican problem was what school districts would do is create these dilapidated school buildings, leftover textbooks, and the curriculum that really forced kids into certain jobs, right? So in many ways, poverty was manufactured. And I'm just proud of my grandparents who took those circumstances and became rich in so many other more important yeah. ways, yeah. right? Rich in love, rich in family. 
our cultura and remaining tight. And I just always draw upon them and that kind of brilliance that they had. Um, we have a large population of un undocumented students mm. on campus. Yeah. As opposed to college president, what can you do or what are you planning to do to help them reach their goals? Yeah, I will say, you know, when I was an undergraduate student, I was an activist, and that's at the core of my leadership always. Yeah. And one of the first groups that I became an activist for was to help undocumented students. I mean, this is way back in the day, um, 1994, 95, 96. Okay. And I just remember, right, my friend Gilberto at the time, he came to me and he had this letter. And he said, hey, Cynthia, we take a look at this. It's asking me to provide my social security number. And if I don't, I have to pay like I'm an international student. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, this must be a mistake, you know. Gilberto had been going to college just like all of us for three years already. He only had one more year, which is three quarters, fall, winter, spring. I remember going to the director of admissions and records, and I asked this woman, era Latina, she was Latina uh, director, I said, hey, I think Gilberto got this letter by mistake. And she said, you know, Cynthia, I'm so sorry. He didn't. It's the way that the state is moving, and I was required to mail this out to all students in his situation who are from here, but they don't have a social, so we do have to treat them as though they're international. And I remember just thinking, this is so unfair. Yeah. I quickly, however, moved to solutions. So I asked this woman, you know, can you please provide me with um, address labels so that we can write an appeal letter to alumni, Latino, Latina alumni, um, and ask them to provide scholarship money so that we can help students like Gilberto and others. And then I started to just be a spokesperson for undocumented students. And uh, it was really great because at the time I met Alfred Herrera, he currently works at UCLA, and he had a great scholarship guide that said, you know, here are all the scholarships where residency uh, is not a determining factor for receiving the funds. And I created one that was tailored to the Inland Empire where I was located. And then uh, the MALDEF organizations saw that I was referencing this in the newspaper stories regarding outreach to students and undocumented students, and they picked that up, and now they have a MALDEF scholarship guide that's been available to students really since the late 1990s. So every counselor, every student who's undocumented can use this tool to find money. So, you know, I would always tell students, um, you, you do your part, you go to school, and then let practitioners, like, We'll work with the system to change it to support you. And, and here, I'm really happy that we have a Dreamer Center, we have a staff member, we have scholarship funds, and I'll just continue to make sure we keep those resources in place and grow them as well. Very good. So how big was Sal Castro's influence on you? I, mm. I, I want to know more about his work and yeah. the Chicano walkouts. Um, mm -hmm. How did it inspire you? I mean, he really did create that activist in me. And it's amazing that it only took listening to him for a two-hour speech, to be honest. I would say, as I reflect back on my, my own growth as a student activist, my mom really planted the seed initially because she always would tell us stories about injustices. And um, she would make us aware that we never should tolerate them 
and that we should do things to make sure people treat us fairly, right? As women, as people who are coming from a lower socioeconomic background, as um, Latinos and Latinas and Latinx people, for African-American people, like my mom really planted the seed. And then I remember going away to college and I listened to my critical thinking instructor and he had this book called Rereading America. And there was a chapter on uh, this man who created, who, who changed his name from one name to Kwame Ture. And he did that because he became aware of himself culturally, mm -hmm. right? And I was so taken by this story. And then I remember at Cal State San Bernardino where I went as an undergrad, Kwame Ture was hosted on campus and I went to hear him speak. And he just was so passionate. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing, right? And then four years later, when I was volunteering at a Chicano Latino youth leadership camp, Sal Castro was speaking. And I remember feeling the same kind of passion and inspiration from Sal. Yeah. But I had never heard the contents of his speech before. With Kwame Ture, I kind of had because my mom would have us listen to the civil rights movement, a lot of learning about Martin Luther King Jr. and his work. But Sal Castro, all the information he said I had not heard, like the Chicano walkouts. Yeah. And so I remember going up to him afterwards and I said, excuse me, sir, would you happen to have a bibliography or a reference sheet for any of the material that you mentioned in your speech, the information? And he said, why, yes, senorita, I do. And he handed it to me. And um, I remember I cried and I said, oh, whoa. I didn't know any of this information. You know, like, I apologize. I'm asking you for your s proof, you know. And he said, it's okay, mija. They didn't want you to know. Yeah. And I knew in that moment, it just really became so clear to me that there must be some real forces at play here that try and keep us from that information. Because once you know, then you really intentionally try to undo racial injustices. And you can see things so clearly, right? That once one is proud of who they are and where they come from, I mean, you just have more confidence. You understand, like, why you're doing this work, why you push through the difficult times in college. And so, Sal, from that point forward, you know, I just would always check back with him. I remember leaving that conference, I, and I went back to my college, I went inactive in my traditional sorority. I mean, I had just been named Greek Woman of the Year because I, I organized all the women to, you know, basically sign a petition against this very sexist T-shirt that these fraternities had uh, depicting women. And I went inactive, and then I created the Chicano Coalition. I just invited all the Latino organizations on campus. We created a coalition. And then we organized Marcha Contra la Proposición 187, yeah, 187, Prop 187, and then just remained organized to address undocumented student issues. And, you know, it was just this height of my activism. And Sal was so proud of me. Like, and then he just really was impressed that it was from that point, you know, forward that I just continued to, to do and act and be there for our community. And so, he encouraged me to get a master's and then to get a doctorate every all every step of the way 
And I will tell you, you know, he called me when I was at PCC. We, we always stayed in touch. I saw him every year for, from that point forward. Um, I, I ended up leading that Chicano Latino youth organization for 10 to 12 years. It became the topic of my dissertation and uh, Sal knew and was cheering me on every step of the way. And, uh, you know, he always would just remind us that that day that he organized 20,000 youth, Latino youth, to walk out of their school demanding better conditions in education, that it was just this pivotal moment and that we as leaders and educators always had that potential to make sure we were doing right by our students and if things weren't going right, that we could empower our students to demand what they deserve. That's what I really appreciated about him as a leader. I appreciated everything you just said on South Castro. We all had mentors growing up. I had a mentor too uh, at Intorrent. Um, his name was Bill Doak. Shout out oh, to Bill Doak. He no okay. longer is alive, but I appreciate everything he did for me growing up. He kept me off. I grew up in a single parent household too, by the way, my mm. mom. So. We were, our resources were pretty uh, bleak, you can say, yeah. but he definitely kept me grounded, mm. focused, and I appreciate everything you just said about, you know, your mentor. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, now, as president of the campus, what do you think you'll do different in this role that past presidents didn't do and you can improve for, like, students in their college aspect and every aspect of college life? Yeah, you know, I will say, like, I don't know the previous presidents very well, but I know the era that I'm leading in, which is there's been a pandemic. There is still one, yeah. right, a global pandemic. And there's also this era of racial reckoning. Like now people really cannot deny that racism exists because we just came through this era where we all saw it happening before our very eyes in every corner of, of our world, right? right? So I will say as a president leading during this time, I will make sure that we're paying attention to health and wellness of everyone, the people who work here and our students. And then also that we are intentionally addressing issues as it pertains to race, race relations and racial equity so that we ensure our college feels so comfortable for all students, especially our black students, our, our men of color, our Latino and Latina and Latinx students, you know, that we create the college that you deserve. Right. And to be in touch with what you all say we need to be doing, I truly believe we are co-creators of this college. And if we stay close to what students need, we'll be successful. I hope that people really see that I look towards student voices to inform our work. So I think that's something I'll do different than other presidents is really stay close to student voice to make sure that we are doing what you need us to do. So these next questions are from Hornet staff. Mm -hmm. um, you already kind of touched on some of the topics. We just, I, I wanna get your point. Um, so. Students would like to know your views on homelessness. Um, there was a proposed uh, affordable housing. Is this something that's still happening? Yeah, my, my views on homelessness and housing insecurities for students, you know, I think it's an opportunity for colleges to really work towards solutions. 
with agencies that exist in our community, right? So I'm not sure what proposal existed for Fullerton College. Mm -hmm. I know that North Orange County Community College District worked on an assessment and determined that Cypress College was the college that had the land to pursue the grant from the state. Fullerton College is pretty landlocked, yep. right? So um, I know that I heard the proposal and I was curious, you know, I'm sitting in the board meeting, I was like, why is, Fuller why is not Fullerton College included here? And then that's when I learned, it's because we're landlocked and Cypress has room for it, right? So I'll have to pursue other solutions with our college. Um, and where I came from, it was the same thing. Pasadena City College was landlocked on one corner of Colorado Boulevard. So I just worked closely with community-based organizations that existed in order to make sure we knew where we could send our students, but that we had really warm handoffs. It wasn't sending students in to just call this 1-800 number, right? It was my staff contacting the community-based org by name saying, I have a, a mom with two kids. Okay, here's where the placement can be. So um, continuing to do that to make sure we're responsive to our students who have housing needs. The other is uh, this past fall, I implemented a hotel voucher system for students who need rapid housing. And I just work closely with one hotel to, to do that. And that's very easy to set up. So that's something quick that we can do once I have someone in place to lead it. So we currently get an allocation from the state and I'm working with a group on campus actually. We, we just received notice last week of a $100,000 grant to create a community of practice to bring together a group on campus to work on a plan of how we can improve our responsiveness to basic needs. And I applied for that for Fullerton College in December before I started my job here um, because I was contacted by the chancellor's office asking my previous college, they asked me to make sure they applied. And I said, hey, I'm moving, so can I make sure the new college where I'm going applies? And they said yes, so, so we just got it. And I'm really pleased with that so that way we can improve our services for students with housing. So please, all students watching this, go to the Hornet Food Bank. There is a staff member there from Pathways of Hope and he has housing resources for you. And Thank you for that. And yeah. then um, a real hard-hitting question. Yes. Uh, what is your music library look like? <laughs> you mentioned Gwen Stefani. I believe she's a Fullerton College alumni. Uh, yeah. um, and uh, Salt and Pepper, I believe you mentioned them at one point. Yes. Um, shout out to Gwen Stefani. Yes, um, Gwen what, Stefani. What is your library you look like? You know, um, gosh, so my, my 2022 playlist it, it's really eclectic. Like I have hip hop, yeah. R&B, yeah. rancheras, uh, norteños. Mm -hmm. I love gospel. Mm -hmm. When I've gone to karaoke, I kind of know all songs. I, I love music. You karaoke? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love music. Okay, so there's probably not a, a song or a genre that I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. And love. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Olivio, thank you for being with us at News from the Hive. Um, I'm your host, Gerardo Chagoya, editor-in-chief at the Hornet Newspaper, and this is News from the Hive.